This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 303. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast where we empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we bring you an interview with Gene Dykes, the fastest marathoner over 70. Plus, we take you on the ground at the Philadelphia Marathon in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where good times were had by all. And, of course, to get a jump start on reaching your 2020 running goals, jump into the Academy. Train with us. You won't regret it. You can learn how to join when you visit MarathonTrainAcademy.com. So, Angie, how's it feel to be done racing for the year? Yeah, I mean, it feels good to take a break um, and let my body rejuvenate a little bit after the three marathons I did this fall and build up some more motivation and excitement for my January marathon and also, you know, start to think ahead what I want my 2020 race calendar to look like. A lot of people in the academy have been talking about the races they're signing up for. So I'm like, man, I need to get on the ball. I've only got one thing on the calendar. (laughs) Well, I have two things. I'm going to be at the marathon in Hawaii with you, of course, and that is the Revel Coolia Marathon. And then I'm going to go to the Jerusalem Marathon with Ryan and Sarah Hall and a group, and that'll be in March. So yeah, really excited about that. But next week, I will be in San Antonio for the San Antonio Rock and Roll Half Marathon. So if any of you are listening and you're going to be at that race, shoot me an email. And speaking of races, the MTA Virtual Half Marathon just wrapped up. People had all of the month of November to run it. And here is a quick recap of how it went this year. We had approximately 423 total participants and runners from the following countries, United States, Canada, Australia, Mexico, Japan, Thailand, India, Ireland, United Kingdom, Switzerland, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Norway, the Netherlands, Ukraine, New Zealand, and China. For those who are counting, that's 19 countries. Yes, that's right. I thought it was 18 originally, but then I forgot I wasn't counting China, which is where uh, one of our coaches uh, lives, Coach Chris Gallaty. All of our coaches run it every year as well. So yeah, 19 countries. And these are countries where people live. But additionally, we did have some runners accomplish their race, their virtual race, when they were abroad in other countries. So the virtual half was also run in Turkey, Singapore, and Bermuda. Nice. We had 48 states in the U.S. of A, plus Puerto Rico, represented. And you want to take a guess, the only two states we didn't get? Well, I I can cheat. I can see right here. (laughs) Montana, for another year, was not represented. The third year in a row. (laughs) I'll have to, like, pay my brother next year to sign up. I know. It's so funny, because, like, nobody ever from Montana signs up, but Angie's from Montana originally. So I'm like, Angie, don't you have any friends? (laughs) Apparently not runners. And then also Louisiana. So one of these years, we'll get all 50 states. I can feel it. We're close. And we also had seven Canadian provinces. Always have a lot of folks from Canada sign up. We had folks from British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and the Yukon Territory sign up. And a huge number of runners in Australia. Four out of eight states were represented. Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, and South Australia. Awesome. Of course, this race is in November. It's cold where most people live who are doing it, but people were out there getting it done. For example, uh, John Danby uh, from Wyoming. He's always the one guy from Wyoming that signs up. Otherwise, we'd never get that state. (laughs) I actually met him at the Jackson Hole Marathon, uh, so that was really cool. He says, I really wanted to do a trail half for my MTA virtual half, but winter comes early in Wyoming, so we got a break this year. I put together a course on our local trails, the Bridger Teton National Forest. And since we're eating hills like candy this year, I threw in nearly 3,000 feet of elevation. Nice. Give you guys a couple more little shout-outs here uh, from the MTA Virtual Half. There was a husband and wife team uh, from Sweden, Mikael and Solgerd, who ran in Gothenburg, Sweden. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your names. Solgerd says, today we ran the MTA Virtual Half in perfect November weather. In Gothenburg, Sweden, the route we chose was along a river, and we crossed both of the major bridges of our city. So our motto was, quote, we eat bridges like candy. Nice. I love it. Of course, we had runners on trails, on roads, running in the cold, running in the heat. Some folks that did it on a treadmill. 
It was some people who have done it all three years. Yeah. So that's really cool. Jenny from West Virginia said that it was her 21st half marathon and her third year running the virtual half. She says, I'm so proud to get to represent the great West Virginia mountain state since this year's race theme is I eat hills like candy. So I did just that in Harper's Ferry, running every hill I could find. Next week, I'm doing another version of this with a friend because I love eating hills so much. I'll eat them twice. And besides, what's better than running with a friend? Yeah, we had lots of friends come out. In fact, there was some friends that went and ran around a lake in Nebraska. Uh, this is from Penny North. She says, I did my virtual half today, met some friends at the local lake, and I ended up PRing by five minutes. The temperature was 38 degrees Fahrenheit, and there was a 12-mile-an-hour wind that made it feel even colder. But I dressed right and didn't need to get rid of any layers. And there's a picture of her with three friends. And we had another lady like run around the same lake, just incidentally, both of them from Nebraska, doing their virtual half. They don't know each other, but they just happen to <laughs> choose the same lake to run around. That is awesome. So yeah, that other runner is Rebecca, who got in the virtual half around Lake Zerinsky with her friend, Catherine. And we had some people doing as their first half marathon. And Jeanette from Oklahoma says, I did it. This was my longest distance to date, and I really wanted that training plan. I'm a new runner, and I'm inspired by Trevor. I probably train more along his style, but I aspire to be more like Angie. The last two miles were the toughest, but I hung in there and finished strong while listening to the interview with Coach Bob Larson. Now that's a guy to look up to, running at 80. I aspire to be healthy and become a lifelong runner. Even though I was running alone, I still had the love and support of my oldest daughter who lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. She was cheering me on through Snapchat, and I was so glad to have her support. Well, that's awesome to be able to have your daughter cheer you on like that. Congrats on running your first half, Anjanette. Thanks for sharing your photos to everybody that sent in photos. It's awesome to get a little look into your life and see where you're running. Uh, my friends Andy and Franzi Link... Uh, from Munich, they were on vacation in Bermuda and decided to seize the day and run their MTA virtual half. And they post some great photos. So yeah, I was pretty jealous about here. Here we are sitting in the cold. <laughs> this note came from David. He says, hooray, I set the alarm for 4.30 a.m. and got it done before the wind came up. I started running in June last year. I'm age 62, and I'm very happy now to have two halves under my belt. I live on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, Australia. Love it. Probably a lot of you know the medal this year was built off the theme, I Eat Hills Like Candy, and it's got little runners that go up a mountain. Uh, well, some folks live where it's pretty flat, like Vanessa in Florida. She says, MTA virtual half complete with some man-made Florida, quote, hills, unquote. This was a training run for my third full marathon coming up December 1st. And she says it was her fastest half marathon since starting to run four years ago. I always said I'd never run a marathon, but this podcast helped me to change my mind, my goals, and my life. I'm so grateful. And she's posted some pictures of her route, which involved going over an overpass. Those were the man-made Florida hills, I guess. We also had a couple of father-daughter duos, um, Mike and Caitlin did the Singapore half marathon together for their virtual half. And it looked like it was a, a pretty warm, humid day, but they got it done. So it was really exciting. And then another father and daughter duo did the virtual run virtually. <laughs> um, Katie and Jeff Owens, she says, my dad and I both ran the virtual half today. He ran it on the trails at Ward Pound Ridge Reservation in New York. And I ran it in Dublin, Ireland, where I'm spending the semester studying abroad. Dad ate those hills like candy and had a classic trail run experience. His wandering trail run brain also made some fun fueling puns such as, I'm feeling good, or are you jealous? <laughs> G-E-L-O-U-S, jealous. Nice. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, and I mentioned we had some people do it on the treadmill. So shout out to all the runners that got it done, like Spencer Baker and Jensen Ma. Jensen from Australia. He says, I ran the 2019 virtual half on my home treadmill in my garage for the second year in a row, this time with an incline. We got to make the virtual half harder for this guy. He's, <laughs> he's just showing off now. He says, I managed to complete the half in a personal best of 91 minutes, 57 seconds, which is an improvement on my race time in 2018. And that comes from Jensen from Sydney. Awesome. So again, super congrats to all of you that finished this race. Thank you so much for participating and supporting the podcast. And if you missed out this year, no worries. We plan to do it again. Well, in this episode, we've got a special treat for you guys. You're going to hear from Gene Dykes. He calls himself the hashtag ultra geezer. We'd heard about Gene Dykes, reading about him in Runner's World 
And, you know, just a remarkable story that came across our feed last year. Here's a guy at 70 years old. He ran a sub three hour marathon at the Jacksonville Bank Marathon. He ran 254.23, which would have been a new world record, but the race director at the marathon didn't file the right paperwork to actually make it count as a world record. But it is the fastest recorded time for a person over there, over 70. Previous record was held by Ed Whitlock. Well, I guess he still technically holds the record, although Gene has run a faster marathon. So in the back of our minds, we'd always thought about having Gene on the podcast. We heard that he lives in Pennsylvania, where we live. And it just so happened that a couple weeks ago, he came to our city to speak at Dickinson College. He gave a great talk called Just Run. And he talked about some of his unconventional training philosophy. So I went to the talk, uh, didn't get a chance to actually say hi to him because there was you know, a long line forming after he was done speaking, but I later got in touch with him and it worked out for me to go over to where he lives in Philadelphia and he invited me to stay at his house. Super gracious guy. Here I am a complete stranger, but I think he just knows that runners are cool people. So he was really taking a chance on you. <laughs> yeah, he was. Let me tell you, just like Angie. <laughs> So I actually stayed with him the night before the Philadelphia Half Marathon. We did this interview, and the next day we rode together to the start of the Philadelphia Half Marathon, which he ran and won his age group. And then he stayed around after the half, and they have an 8K, which starts like three hours after the half. He won his age group in the 8K. The next day he gets up, runs the marathon, wins. (laughs) (laughs) It's a theme I see emerging here. I'm like, how often does this guy win? So I went, I went back and looked up his New York City Marathon, which wasn't that long ago. Of course, he won first place in his age group, New York City Marathon. So this guy is just on fire. I mean, he's like routinely winning his age group. I like to see the person that, that's over 70 that can run faster than Gene Dykes. And right recover in between races that are so close together. That's, that's the incredible part to me as well. Yeah, he does like 30 plus races a year, including ultras. When we spoke, he was just coming off an ultra, and then he's got a 100 miler coming up soon. So he's such a fascinating person to talk to. He's very gracious. So here's my conversation sitting at the dining room table in the home, the lovely home of Mr. Gene Dykes, the fastest marathoner over the age of 70. Well on my way, well on my way. Well, sorry to come on a day when you got a cold. Well, I only have three races this weekend, so it could have, could have been worse, right? Yeah, but you race every weekend, don't you? Just about. Got a 200-miler or a 100-miler coming up in a couple of weeks, so I guess I'm glad I don't have a cold for that. That's what I find so amazing is that you're such a prolific runner, too. So not only are you running very fast, winning awards, breaking records, but you're just running all these crazy ultras all over the world. And let me start with this. The running gods must have bestowed special favor upon you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they certainly didn't show up uh, early on. Uh, I mean, I have to admit that uh, an interview like this, I I, I have this deep down feeling that I'm a fraud and they're going to figure out one of these days that I'm not all that good. Because that was the attitude I had about my running uh, all my adult life. Because I wasn't very good younger. Uh, hmm. You know, okay in high school, but I got to college and, uh, you know, I wasn't any good. Coach hated me. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that, that's a, a deep down conviction. And uh, it's hard to shake it now and then. Uh, but I don't know if genes, running genes can express themselves later in life when they didn't earlier. I mean, it's a, an interesting yeah. question. We hear from a lot of runners who've said something similar that they don't feel like they are a real, quote-unquote, real runner. A lot of these people are new to the marathon distance, but I think that imposter syndrome happens to a lot of people. It's interesting to hear you say that. I mean, we definitely consider you a real runner. (laughs) Uh, I also had that. I don't usually have that feeling during a race, I guess. But uh, at Toronto last year, you know, they gave me elite status. And wow. I was right up here with all these guys, you know, competing for $20,000 or something. And, uh, you know, I just felt totally, so totally out of place. But uh, I had to be up there because they were, you know, hoping I could set the record there. And uh, for whatever reason, records are set, or world records are set by gun time. So you have to get the start line. Interesting. And how did that race go? Oh, I came up 25 seconds short. Mm. Uh, and that would have been Ed Whitlock's record. Yeah. Um, I'm sure those Canadians were not 
anxious for you to beat Ed Whitlock, right? Well, that's what I would have thought, but no, they, they, they treated me royally up there. Uh, the people, you know, the race director and uh, the family, they all they all wanted me out there to, to uh, you know, records are made to be broken. Uh, yeah. I know uh, earlier, I mean, I'm sure this happens all the time. I'm not overly magnanimous, uh, but after breaking some guy's 100-mile and 24-hour records on the track, the first thing I did the next day was send him a message saying, you know, I hope you come back to this race next year, and I'll crew for you, you know, to go out and, yeah. and, and beat my records. because, uh, And beating Ed Whitlock's record, also what I'm thoroughly hoping to have happen is that, ah, oh, the floodgates are now open. Everybody thought his record was unassailable, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm guessing that in a few years, you know, people will be doing it left and right. Yeah. Once the mystique is broken, uh, you get a lot more people thinking, hey, maybe I could do that. Maybe I'll hire a coach. Maybe I'll uh, right. up my game. So what is your current marathon PR? It's, uh, you know, two months after that, uh, I came up a little short at Toronto. I went down to Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, and, and beat it by 25 seconds. Um, 254.23. At age 70. I was 70. Mm-hmm. And later you found out that the Jacksonville people didn't file the right paperwork. Is that the right story for the world record to count? Yeah, there are so many things for a record to count. The course has to be uh, certified, that most courses are. It has to be record eligible, which just uh, refers to the topology of the course. It can't be point to point unless the start and finish are close together. But it was certified and record eligible. And I wrote a note to the race director saying, you know, can I set a race a record at your uh, at your race? And he said, sure, come on down. So I took that to mean that he was going to have the race sanctioned. Mm. And for a race to be ratified, uh, the USATF has to sanction the race, which is basically says the race director agrees to follow certain kind of terms and so on. I'm sure the race met all those criteria. He just didn't bother certifying it because, well, it costs a little money. He's probably had people call him up before, say, "I'm going to set a record." So he, you know, mm. sanctioned the race, lost, and uh, the guy never, never came up close. So I don't know if he was kicking himself or he forgot or you know who knows. Yeah, I never, uh, never chatted with him afterwards. Okay, I got to speak to Ed Whitlock before he passed away. He certainly had some unique uh, training methodologies. Uh, I think he, I remember hearing that he ran in the same shoes. For thirty years, and he same would, brand or the same shoes, same pair, <laughs> and uh, duct tape specials, <laughs> I guess. And he would just run around the cemetery and did, I think, seven miles a day. That was his training. Mm-hmm. Didn't eat anything special. Didn't do any anything else. So I'm wondering if you have any kind of unique training habits like that. Well, uh, certainly the one thing I do that uh, nobody else. Uh, of my caliber seems to do is run a lot of ultras. Uh, yeah, you got a hundred miler coming up. Yeah, I you know I run two hundred milers, hundred milers, lots of them. You know, and I, I'm sure when I signed up for these after I'd hired my coach, he would beat his head against the wall saying, "No, no, <laughs> you know what are you trying to do to my training plan?" But I think he's come around. Uh, that must be what uh, enables me to keep up a pace for so long uh, in a marathon. I'm not. That fast, if you look at relative times, uh, my half marathon pace is only barely faster than my marathon pace, and my 15k pace only a little bit faster than that. But once I hit a pace, I just I keep grinding it out, and I think, you know, part of it is after you've run 100 and 200 miles, uh, 26 miles just isn't that far. True. And uh, I don't have to. Most training plans are building up both endurance and speed. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've got the endurance already down, so I can I can train for a marathon in uh, you know four or five weeks. I just have to get my get my speed back. Yeah, and you race so frequently. Like just for example, this weekend is the Philadelphia Marathon. Tomorrow's the half and an eight k. The next day's a marathon. I'm just going to do the half because I've got another half marathon coming up. You're just going to do all the races. I guess if, if Philly has a race, you're going to run it. Well, I do do a, a lot of local races. And I ran a 50K last weekend, and <laughs> New York Marathon weekend before that. That's awesome. Uh, no, I uh, kind of like uh, sneering at uh, conventional wisdom. Yeah. People saying you've got to rest. You know, you can't do more than two 
you know, strong races, uh, two strong marathons a year. You'll never find in any training plan that says, okay, if you want to set a world record, here's what you should do two weeks beforehand. You should go out and run a 50K on Saturday, a marathon on Sunday, and the next week run a hard 5K, and that'll get you all prepped and, you know, for your world record. And that's what I did last year. I mean, hmm. I think you can train. Uh, your body responds to training, and I hit the enter button so often that, you know, my body knows it has to be ready week after week after week, and uh, it, it rises it. to the task. So how, how old were you when you figured out that, that you were good at long-distance running? You got in this later in life. So, I mean, how old were you when you ran your first marathon? 58. And, okay, so you've been running from 58 and now you're 71. I'm wondering if you have, like, any kind of tips that we can share with people on just how to stay a healthy runner for life, to be able to do this when they're in their 70s. Well, you have to pick your time period. Um, it's really tough to be highly competitive your whole life. Right. You can have fun running your whole life. That's kind of what I did. I just I just ran whenever I felt like it and uh, didn't start competing until 13 years ago. And I've heard it said that no matter when you start, you've got 15 good years. And I'm into mm. my 14th year now, so <laughs> I'm getting a little worried. This will be the first year in 13 years when I haven't set any personal records. I must have had uh, 15 last year. I mean, almost every distance. Hmm. When I was 70, I uh, ran my fastest time ever. But uh, it's been a tough year, injuries, illness, and all, so I'm not, not too worried about it. I'm certainly hoping that I can uh, get one, at least one more marathon PR next year. So are there other habits that are just like fallback habits that you have built into your life you know, through the years? Are you an early morning guy? Strong cup of coffee. Um, what does your life look like? I would say that uh, I, I keep it fairly simple. I feel like uh, pretty ordinary otherwise. But as I said, I like to you know sneer at conventional wisdom. So I don't do a lot of the things that runners think are essential. They might be useful for some runners. But for me, I see no value in stretching, flexibility exercises, uh, special diets, uh, cross-training. You know, I just run. Yeah. I mean, uh, how many days a week? Oh, five or six. Okay. Usually five because I race so often that I right. need a rest day before and after. If I don't race, it's usually six days a week. And do you have any other hobbies? Well, I retired about six, seven years ago and I took over the cooking in the household. Okay. And uh, I really enjoy that. Four o'clock comes and I say, hey, I got to get dinner on the table. And, and I really enjoy spending the next couple hours. Uh, Make sure my wife has something to look yeah. forward to when she gets back. My wife would love it if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just actually, it's easier than you might think. If she's a wine drinker, all you do is make sure you have a good glass of wine out there when she comes out. <laughs> then That's the, the rest is, she'll, you get a lot of forgiveness for any other mistakes. I like it. What did you do for a living? I was a computer programmer. Okay. Uh, I had a PhD in biochemistry, but... I never did anything with it because I got totally smitten by uh, computer programming, and so those are the kind of jobs I pursued. I had mm -hmm. several employers, uh, lots of different things I applied programming to. It was it was all just just a lot of fun. Almost yeah. hated to retire, but uh, that's a that's a real gift to be able to do what you love. Oh, every morning I wake up. Oh man, I get to program today. It was just great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So with a, a mind of a programmer. Do you think you have your training dialed in? Are you like tracking lots of the metrics, your resting heart rate? Are you kind of a numbers guy with your training? Uh, no, I don't do any of that either. I don't pay any attention to heart rate. <laughs> uh, what I do pay attention to is whatever my coach tells me to do. As far as I'm concerned, it's day to day. I'll wake up in the morning, go down, read what he has scheduled for me that day, and I go out and do it. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You, so you mentioned your coach... And in the talk that you gave at Dickinson, you, you mentioned how valuable it was hiring a coach. Can you maybe speak to that for a moment? How did uh, reaching out and getting a coach help your, your running? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said I ran my first marathon at age 58. And I slowly improved over seven years. And, uh, you know, I was kind of happy. I was, you know, winning marathons when better guys didn't show up. But I, I had this goal of wanting 
to try and at least win a big city marathon. Uh, mm. Big city, not including New York, Boston, Chicago. I mean, I was totally convinced there was no way I could I could win those. I mean, it just wasn't in the cards. Uh, but I, I was hoping maybe I could win Philadelphia, you know, Minneapolis, Miami, St. Louis, you know, places like that. Mm. I always finished second or third, and and at Toronto, seven years ago, I went down hoping to get a new PR. I would have had to run three sixteen, and instead I ran three twenty nine, mm. and uh, it looked to me like age was finally catching up with me. So uh, I said, "Well, this is my last shot." Okay, I'll hire a coach. Boy, what a waste of money that'll be! But you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll give I'll give it a go. Uh, Boston was coming up in five months, and I uh, sent a note to some coach and said, uh, "I don't know if you can deal with older runners, but I'd like to." Place in my age group at Boston. I mean, I said, as long as I'm going to go big, I don't just want to try and win a big city marathon. I want to try and win a, you know, a, a major mm. marathon. And uh, in five months, I just can't believe the number of levels of fitness I improved. I mean, I would go in, then I'd say, I had another breakthrough today. All of a sudden, yeah, you know, I was able to run something that I, I couldn't do before, and then I would sort of consolidate, and then three weeks later, I. I'd rise to a new level. Mm. Uh, we went into uh, Boston, and uh, even though my PR was 316 on a wickedly fast course a couple years earlier, we decided that I should try for 307. turned out to be a really hot day, and uh, so I was thrilled with 309 and a, and a third-place finish. So <laughs> when you've got a coach that can take you from just being kind of a journeyman marathoner and getting on the podium in Boston five months. This is, this is something you don't let go of. Sure. So I've never never thought twice about the, the what I spend on him. And what did he have you do differently? Oh, there was two main things. Uh, first off, I had been pretty much a fan of long, slow miles and also taking adequate rest after workouts because, hey, I'm an old guy. I, you know, got sore muscles. You don't want to go out and work out on sore muscles. Certainly that's a way to get injured. But uh, no, he had me, you know, running much faster miles. I would say mileage was a little lower uh, than uh, what I I did, but high quality miles. Hmm. And boy, was I running on tired legs. I mean, I would literally walk down the stairs, hanging onto the banister. <laughs> and go out and, and run. And, and knowing that I have to go out and run, I'd look whatever his workout wow. was, and I'd say, you've got to be kidding me. You know, There's no <laughs> way I can do this. But a coach knows what you can do better than, than you do. And that's still yeah. true after uh, all these years. Hmm. He, can, he just knows uh, what it is uh, I'm capable of. But that's just one thing. The other thing is the accountability. Uh, even if I knew the right workouts to assign myself, uh, I don't. I couldn't make myself do them. But hmm. I don't want to let down my coach. Yeah. And I'd rather die than report back that uh, I couldn't do his workout. So right. it's very, very few workouts that I fail. And uh, I'd say the workouts are tougher than the races. I mean, I'm really working hard in these uh, training sessions. So does he have you out on the track doing intervals and stuff? Track's pretty rare. Most of my intervals are like one or two or three minutes, and I just do them on uh, flat straightaways on the yeah on, on the roads where I train. So you referred to yourself as an old guy a, a minute ago. Do you see yourself as an old guy, or do you feel not see yourself? Because I've I've talked to people in their seventies, and they've some people's like they've been waiting to die since they were in their fifties, mm-hmm. and other people they're like I don't I don't have old friends because they're they act like old people, and I'm just I just don't feel my age. Yeah, most of the time I don't don't feel old. I know getting in and out of a car seat <laughs> that's good. that gets tough, and you know naps are became a really good idea about ten years ago. And uh, but uh, yeah, most of the time not. I mean, I, I've said that I run uh, you know really long long races, and I don't think most seventy year olds uh, go out and think, hey man, I think I'll run a couple two hundred milers next year. You know, so yeah, I guess if ever. If ever I say, nah, I just don't want to do that anymore, then, then I'll know I'm getting old, I guess. Or if I stop making the cuts, <laughs> yeah. Age is just a number, as they say. Mm-hmm. I know that everyone listening wants to be you when they get to be 71 uh, and be able to go out and, and run you know, five days a week or so and, do, and, and travel and race. 
Well, um, I have this this advice for for young people. I mean, it's sort of like pick your battles. Do you want to go out and you know use up your fifteen years when you're competing against you know Olympic caliber? people and uh, uh, you'd have to really really be special to compete at that level unless you find you know uh, the right aspect uh, of running or would you rather wait until you're older and, and most of your competition is six feet under <laughs> and uh, and a lot of people just I think choose the former because they think oh it won't be any fun running when I'm old or I won't even be able to but uh, that's the message I'm trying to get out there is boy can you have a have a blast running in your 60s and 70s. You know, I'm just That's awesome. just having uh, so much fun. What are some of the ultras, like trail ultras that you've done that were just amazing adventures and races you would recommend? Because you've done so many, and there's some in your in your talk at Dickinson that I had not heard of, like the one that goes by Mount St. Helens. Yeah. That's just like an epic race. That's a stage race, though, isn't it? No, no. It's an endurance run. 200 oh, okay. miles. Clock starts and... You've got to make the finish by 105 hours or something like that. And uh, and sleep is optional. Yeah, sleep is optional. I, <laughs> very, very few people can get through that race without sleeping. I mean, even the the people who win the race are doing it in 50, 58, 60 hours yeah. and like that. And uh, that's a long way to go without a nap. So most of them you know, take at least one nap. I'm guessing that uh, I take maybe five, one-and-a-half-hour naps, which isn't a whole lot of sleep for five days and four nights. Where do you sleep, on the trail or at aid stations? Or Aid stations. I just kind of uh, curl up in a chair, and they throw blankets over you. And Yeah. And uh, I don't have any trouble sleeping in a chair. Uh, if I do, I just pretend I'm in a chair back in college listening to a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> that puts me to sleep right, right off the bat. What's that race called? Uh, Bigfoot, Bigfoot 200. It is so, so totally awesome. Um, in fact, I'm going to do it again next year. Yeah. Uh, I was a little worried. I wrote a note to the group saying, I'm doing it for the second time. You know, is it a letdown? You know, is the mystique of it gone? Mm. Most people said it was, you know, maybe more fun the second time around. So right. that, that was nice to hear. But most people don't jump right into 200 milers. So, uh, yeah. and there are a lot, a lot of those. Uh, there's good hundred milers all over the country. Uh, every month, every week of the year, there's several, I think. And that's kind of a new phenomenon. Twenty years ago, there were hardly any. Hmm. Now there's, uh, you know, oh, hundreds of them. I say most people don't go out and just jump in doing 100s. I did run into a woman who had never done anything longer than a half marathon before. And she entered a 100-mile race and, and did real well. <laughs> I mean, she'd never run over 13 miles in a race or training. That is crazy. Just unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. Just willpower and mental toughness Mm. to push yourself across the finish line. Yeah, and there are 50Ks everywhere, too. Uh, This, I guess, advice applies mostly to marathoners who have uh, just stuck to the roads. But a 50K trail race is, in many respects, easier than a marathon because... Hmm. Well, I've often said there's nothing harder than training for a marathon PR. And when you're out on the trail, you know it's scenic. Uh, you know, the, your your gait is constantly varied, running on an uneven surface. And if you're like me, I just do them for fun. And uh, you know, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll uh, occasionally, you know, there will be a, a race that I'll run a little harder. But most of the time, it's just just such a joy to be uh, be out there. So give a 50k a try. And uh, when you're ready for a 50-miler, there are some really good ones of those, too, 50s and 100s. Just get on Ultra Sign Up. Uh, it's a nice website that has a search engine. That you can find races anywhere, any distance uh, you want. And you've done some international races. I've done uh, marathons and uh, long trail races and stage races. I say your body responds to how you train it. I think the most fun way you can train your body to run as often as I do and as long as I do, is to start out by doing a stage race hmm. um, or a supported adventure run, which is a stage race, except you know you're just paying somebody to you know, take your gear to the next uh, next thing. That teaches you might look at it. You say you've never done more than say seventy or an eighty mile a week, and you're looking at a stage race and it's 140 miles in a week, and you say I can't do that, but. It's unbelievable. Uh, you just run day after day, 20 miles. and So just, just about 20 miles a day. Yeah, usually. Yeah, and, it's very doable. Yeah, and by the end, you're feeling stronger. 
Really? That's it's, great. It's incredible. So uh, at a stage race, they're, they're transporting your stuff, and you're actually staying in a tent or whatever and, and getting a good night's sleep, and yeah. they're supplying the food. Well, there are two kinds. Uh, they're supported and unsupported. Uh, okay. Unsupported, you've got a, they'll have a tent for you, say. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you've got to carry everything else, you know, food, sleeping bag. You know, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't done any of those. If I had spent two thousand dollars on equipment to run one of those, because you got to get the absolute lightest, exactly lightest things. I think those those desert challenge races are like that, like the uh, uh, Atacama Desert Crossing, yeah. the Gobi Desert, where you have to carry your own food. Marathon de Sable is a real famous one that way. Yes, sir. And there's one in the uh, American Southwest called the uh, Grand Grand Ultra. Hmm. Uh, it's like that. I'm thinking of doing one in uh, Iceland in a couple of years. Uh, oh, that'd be and, amazing. Yeah, I've been to Iceland twice. Just, it's just a great place. If you want to combine running and vacationing, yeah, uh, Iceland is is uh, you know it's not that far from uh, the U.S. Uh, it's got a, a nice marathon. It's got some nice trail races, and it's got incredible scenery all around mm-hmm. the island. Uh, just amazing. So let's go back to the uh, supported stage race mm-hmm. because this sounds really fascinating. I like the idea of pe- other people carrying my stuff for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. What is one supported stage race, like maybe in the U.S., that you can okay, recommend? Okay, there's uh, one uh, most famous one. is called the Trans Rockies. Okay. I think it's uh, 120 miles, uh, and it's a point-to-point race. It uh, starts at Buena Vista and uh, runs up to Beaver Creek. Yeah, about 20 miles a day, and they have this huge tent that they have an award ceremonies after each stage mm-hmm. and big dinners and your tents are set up for you and the sleeping bags and uh, have come with your gear bag. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of like the country club of, uh, of stage racing. <laughs> like I, it. I've also done one in the desert southwest. Oh, it's another, this is another example of you can train your body to, to respond. I wasn't doing well in the heat. I think I ran the Miami Marathon on a cool day, and I was dying. Hmm. It was just just too hot for me. So I said, I have to do something about that. So I signed up for the Desert Rats stage race. It's uh, six days, 140 miles uh, from uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, to Moab, Utah. And I kid you not, it was 115 degrees at the finish line. Man. And, uh, but it was a dry heat. And uh, I've never had trouble with heat since. Uh, so you just you, you got heat conditioned, and subsequent races you're like, well, your body's telling you that's not as bad as the Moab race, so <laughs> suck it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, you know I've set records at uh, races where people were saying, how did you do that? It was so hot. I said, I, it was, you know, I, <laughs> it never bothered me. All right, that's a good tip, folks. So to get heat acclimated, go run a stage race in the desert. Sign yeah. yourself up. Desert rats, great race. What about in Europe or? Um, Abroad stage races that you've done? Uh, I've done two stage races abroad. One is a sister race to the Trans Rockies called the Transalpine. That's an eight day uh, race, and uh, nice. that's also run every year. Uh, really, really good scenery. Uh, oh, I bet way better than the way better than the Rockies. Uh, the Alps are just so mesmerizing. Maybe because everything's so old. You know, you picture the Roman legions crossing. <laughs> And uh, the one I went on, we went through four countries. Every time you went over a pass, you were in a new country. You really lost track of what country you were running in because... Uh, yeah. Then I also did one eight days, 240 miles in Scotland called mm. the Cape Wrath Ultra. Uh, really different kind of scenery than the Alps. A lot of climbing. But, See, this uh, is how I want to spend my retirement. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're living the life. Okay. You, uh, I'll give you a long list. Uh, <laughs> That's the way to go. Adventure runs, stage races. Another way to get into ultra running is to find a, a timed race. This is where you run for a specified amount of time as opposed to a specified distance. And there you can never fail because there's no distance requirement. Uh, right. If you've got 24 hours, you can try for 100 miles. But, you know, if 80 or 50 is, you know, your target, uh, it's something you can do. It's logistically easy uh, if it's on a track or a one-mile loop, whatever, you keep coming back to your, your supplies. And uh, it's really great to find out how your body responds to running for, for a long period of time. For sure. Well, I hope this is inspiring to all you folks that are listening. Gene, are you on the Internet anywhere? Do you have, like, a website or 
Facebook page? Uh, I do not. I have, a, I have a Facebook page. I'm easy to find. Oh, I spend a lot of time exhorting other people to get out there and run, and yeah. people you know, ask, and I always try and... Uh, anytime somebody uh, sends a question, I always uh, come up with some sort of response. I Instagram occasionally and tweet even less, so Facebook's okay. uh, mostly the, the way I uh, interact with the running community. Perfect. Well, thank you for sitting down with me and hosting me here at your house. It's a lovely house. We're in the suburbs of Philly. Getting excited about the uh, Philadelphia Half Marathon and Marathon this weekend. Thanks again, Mr. Dykes, for uh, speaking with me. So we're going to go ahead and sign off here. So after the interview, I made my way to the Marathon Expo for the Philadelphia Half Marathon. And the Expo was huge just like you would expect, you know, a big city marathon. And there was a lot of running celebrities there, a lot of big name runners. And they had this seating area set up right in the middle. So when I got there, Desi Linden and Meb Kofleski were on stage and they were answering questions and the whole thing was being moderated by Bart Yasso. So I picked up my race packet, might have had a Philly cheesesteak while I was there. What do you mean? You're not sure that you ate one? (laughs) Okay, I definitely had one. It's funny because there's tons of places to get a Philly cheesesteak and every place claims to be the best. So I got back to Gene's house, stayed the night, and in the morning, he and I rode uh, in my car to the starting line of the Philly Half Marathon. And he only lives six miles from downtown, so he knew you know, exactly where to park, where there was free uh, street parking, and we could walk to the starting line. It was only about half a mile. I'm guessing he uh, got you there nice and early. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think we left the house at 5.45. The half marathon started at 7.30. We wanted to get there, you know, an hour ahead of time. But he actually paid to get into the VIP tent where it was like warm and there's probably food and you can stash your clothes. I didn't have a VIP tent ticket, so I just stayed in the car a little longer. It's huddled in the cold. (laughs) It was kind of cold. wasn't as bad as the next day. At this race, they they split up the half and full marathons. They do the half on Saturday, the full on Sunday. It actually ended up raining and being kind of nasty weather on Sunday. So this soundbite I'm going to play for you next. This is Gene and I in the car before we get out and walk to the starting line. We had a few minutes to chat, and I wanted to uh, ask him a few more questions. But before we do that, we'd like to say a quick word of thanks to this episode's sponsor, the Chirp Wheel Plus, which will help you with back pain. Angie, you know a little bit about back pain, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, back pain is something that plagues me from time to time. I was actually at the gym lifting weights yesterday and threw my lower back out. So I'm very happy that we have the Chirp Wheel Plus at home, which I can use. The Chirp Wheel Plus is a back pain relief device that targets muscles around your spine. It's shaped like a wheel and it's wrapped in a compression padding. The wheel's five inch width and spinal canal cradles your spine and gives your muscles a four way stretch. So, unlike foam rollers, the patented spinal canal relieves pressure on the spine and targets knots in your back. The Chirp Wheel Plus can also be used for leg pain. The 12 inch gentle wheel, the 10 inch medium wheel, and the 6 inch deep tissue wheel elongate your spine and provide your muscles with the needed relief. Head over to gochirp.co, that's a .co, not a .com, forward slash MTA, to get your Chirp Wheel Plus 3-pack for 15% off with code MTA. That's gochirp.co slash MTA to get your Chirp Wheel Plus 3-pack for 15% off with the code MTA. Well, just have to hope it doesn't keep trying to make it make U-turns or something, you know. Well, here we are. We've got a good parking spot before the Philadelphia Half Marathon, and I'm just fortunate to have local running legend, hashtag ultra geezer. Uh, did you come up with that? Uh, my daughter and I brainstormed it. She says, <laughs> she came up to me one day, she says, Dad, you, you've got to work on your brand. <laughs> I said, uh-huh. And uh, so we kind of, and so you need a you need a hashtag for social media. And we popped a few around, and I think I came up with Ultra Geezer because it has, you know, a double entendre, one ultra being ultra old and a geezer <laughs> who runs ultras. So uh, you, can, yeah. you can take that either way. I like it. You got a good sense of humor, too. I think that's another key to longevity, perhaps. Well, I'm always uh, smiling during a race in general. Uh, in 200-mile races, I'll come into an aid station. A lot of people are coming in looking like, you know, something the cat dragged in. But, you know, I'm always... <laughs> 
coming in with a big smile because you know, boy, there's nothing more fun than uh, nothing more fun than reaching an aid station during an ultra. It's a, a chance to take a break and get something tasty down the hatch. Aid stations in an ultra aren't anything like an aid station in a marathon. I mean, they you know, frequently have you know they have uh, you know eggs and bacon and quesadillas and hamburgers mm-hmm. and pancakes. You know, along with all the usual junk food, yeah. I would I would yeah. run an ultra just for the food. Oh, it's it's great. Yeah. So, we were at the expo yesterday, and I noticed you got to ask a question to um, uh, Meb and Desi. Desi, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then Bart Yasso recognized you, and then I saw folks coming up and wanting to get a picture with you. You're kind of a, a local celebrity. Uh, yeah. I can't. Uh, it's amazing. I can't go anywhere without people recognize me so i'll be in a hotel in new york city oh you're gene dykes i you know it kind of blows me away because <laughs> <laughs> that's great you know it's just uh nothing i ever expected i uh, i really thought that if i broke uh, the record i would go back home maybe post a little message about it on facebook and you know that'd be it you know mm-hmm. congratulations from a couple folks it uh, it turned out to be a kind of a good story about old guy you know breaking a record and and uh, it had legs. It's uh, yeah, never ceases to amaze me. So, with the marathon tomorrow and with the half today, let's talk about your race strategy uh, for a second. Do you do you have any kind of philosophy when it comes to actually racing, pacing yourself, race day strategy? Well, I uh, I don't have to guess too often because my coach really uh, is in tune with what kind of shape I'm in and. We usually agree on a uh, target, and then my strategy is to run, uh, you know, an even effort pace even the split. whole way. Yeah. Uh, if it's a flat course, then I would run every split exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, exactly the same speed. Uh, you know, going out too fast is, you know, a common error. I've, sure. I, I'm up against people. I, every year, you know, I'll pass them halfway, and I just uh, can't understand that. Who wants to? you know, fold halfway through the race and and suffer when you can just run the whole race at, at the, you know, at the same effort. So, uh, you know, I eat lightly because I hate to have anything in my stomach. I was about to ask you. Yeah. And, and for a marathon, now this is something that, uh, you know, is counter to what most people say. People all say, you know, start drinking early and before you get thirsty. And that's total hogwash, you know. <laughs> when you run a marathon, you want to be a little dry. I mean, hmm. I mean, who wants to have to head off to the side of the road now and then? So I always uh, start a marathon a little bit on the dry side. Okay. And then drink just enough to uh, maintain that hydration. I mean, you've got water every two miles. I mean, you're not going to die of thirst out there. That's true. Do you take any fuel for a marathon? Um... I have this new wonder fuel called Martens, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff. Used to be I could get maybe 300 calories in during a race, and any more than that would make me sick. But uh, with Martin, I can uh, I can drink 900 calories during a marathon and, uh, and without any stomach upset whatsoever. It's uh, amazing stuff. Do you have people recognize you when you're out running? Yeah, that's happening too. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It's funny, I can't put names and faces together, so I'm always surprised when anybody else can. You need to get a t-shirt that says, Gene Dykes, 71, just past you. <laughs> well, I do have a special shirt that I wear uh, for marathons and ultras. It uh, has a hashtag ultra geezer on it, and <laughs> a place where I have my age and the number of marathons I've I've run. And uh, So that can be kind of recognizable. People can recognize me from that. Uh, I'll wear it uh, for tomorrow's marathon. It yeah. will be marathon number 123. Uh, it's just amazing. And we stayed at your house last night and chatted a bit. You don't drink coffee. You don't drink beer. And you just eat cereal for breakfast. Yeah. And orange juice. Orange juice and cereal. That's the breakfast I've had uh, forever and ever. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any... Uh, no carbo loading. I don't have anything against coffee and beer. I just don't like the taste yeah yeah do you eat a lot of sugar not so much uh, i eat everything in moderation i mean okay i don't you know I'll, I'll eat junk food with the best of them but you know i'll uh, fortunately i like healthy foods too and so that's the the bulk of my diet but what uh, any diet that works for you 
great. There isn't anything that's I don't think will turn you into a great runner on on its own, but uh, just find what you like. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gene, for your hospitality and just for inspiring us and the running community. And congrats on all your success and have a great race today and uh, at your marathon tomorrow. All right. Thank you very much. So big thanks to Gene Dykes for letting me stay at his house and super great guy and just a living legend. To see what he's able to do, you know, at age 71, I, I don't have any excuse. <laughs> I'm sure that was very inspirational. So to give you that extra boost that you needed to go out there and run your half marathon strong? I did, yep. And I did not run as fast as Gene did, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely finished way ahead of me. But I finished in, uh, I haven't even looked at my time. I think I finished in 209 or 210. I definitely highly recommend the Philadelphia half and full marathon. They make it a lot of fun. It's well organized, lots of energy at the start line. And as you run along, the course going all through downtown Philadelphia, past Independence Hall, you know, where the Declaration of Independence was signed, going past where the Liberty Bell is. You keep hearing the Rocky theme song. It's funny, like, there's different points in the course. Like, you can't be in Philadelphia running without someone playing that song. <laughs> Just goes together. And you actually finish, well, you start and finish in front of the Philadelphia Museum of Art, where the iconic Rocky steps are, where he ran up the top. So I made sure that when I finished, I went up to the top of the steps. But did you run? I did run, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and the medal this year was really one of the nicest I've seen. It has the Liberty Bell that actually has like a clapper inside that dings. Yep. Very cool. It gets annoying if you're wearing it and you have to walk like a mile back to your car and every step you're dinging. And you're surrounded by other dinging, dinging people. Yeah. <laughs> And later that night, I got together with some wonderful people that listened to the MTA podcast. We met at a German restaurant. Angie, are you surprised? I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Brauhaus Schmitz. And I wasn't sure who was going to come because it was really a last minute thing. But uh, we had 20 or so folks come out to the meetup. I mean, every seat at the table was taken and we had a wonderful time. So here's a quick soundbite from the MTA meetup in Philadelphia. Check Mike. Hey, we do we do edit. <laughs> so you will sound like Einstein. No worries. All right, we're at the uh, MTA meetup in Philadelphia. We've got a great crowd here we're at a German restaurant, and we're just going to pass this around. People are going to say uh, name and where they're from and what they're here to do, uh, either the half or the full, or what what they're in town for. So I will start passing it around, and yeah, have at it. No pressure. So, oh, my God. <laughs> Which way should I hold Everybody's it? Everybody's got to stare at her while she does it, right? <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. My name is Kristen. I'm running my first marathon, full marathon, tomorrow. Bring it. I'm from Putnam Valley, New York, and I'm also running with my husband. Yay. I'm Jay. I'm the husband. <laughs> I'm Jamie. I'm from Westchester, and... I'm in town to meet Trevor. <laughs> I'm Beck from Boston, and I'll be uh, running the fall tomorrow. Chris from Simsbury, Connecticut, in town just to support my wife running the marathon tomorrow. I ran the 8K today for something to do. You're welcome. There you go. Okay, hey, I'm Shira. I am running Philadelphia the fall tomorrow. Um, it's my third Philadelphia marathon. It's my 17th marathon, and tomorrow I am running in memory of my student, Jordan, who died of a heroin overdose, and I have raised $1,000 in memory of him to go to a scholarship at my high school. Yay! Wow. My name is Jocelyn. I'm spectating my sixth marathon for my boyfriend, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, we're from New Jersey. Hello, I'm Jeffrey from New Jersey, running uh, the Philadelphia Marathon tomorrow. This will be my second time running it, sixth marathon overall. I'm Brian from Frederick, Maryland, and this is my eighth half marathon. Ran it today and uh, felt pretty good about it. Hi, I'm Heidi, and I'm from Frederick, Maryland. I'm running the full tomorrow. It'll be my fifth. I'm Cindy from Boston, and I'm hoping to get through the Liberty Bell Challenge tomorrow. 
Well, explain that what that is real quick. The Liberty Bell Challenge is the half marathon on Saturday and the full marathon on Sunday. Hi, I'm Jess from Boston, and I did the Philly Half Marathon today. Hi, I'm Ivana from Boston, and I'm also hoping to complete the Liberty Bell Challenge, which would also be my marathon number 10. So keep your fingers crossed. Hi, I'm Danielle from West Berlin, New Jersey, and tomorrow will be my second full marathon. And I want to uh, give a shout out to my run team, Run 856 in South Jersey. My name is Mike. I am doing the Philadelphia Full tomorrow. This will be my second marathon. Uh, I'm coming from Woolwich, New Jersey, and also repping Run 856. Hi, I'm Kathleen from Atlanta, Georgia, and I will be running the full marathon tomorrow. This will be my 10th marathon, first time doing Philly. So big thanks to all the runners that came out to the MTA meetup. Always love meeting people in person that listen to the show. I didn't quite get to hear how everyone's race went the next day. Some people were there to do the marathon, but we did hear from a few people. This is from Heidi Schiller. She was there with her husband, Brian. She says, what a great weekend. We enjoyed great conversation in German food with the fellow MTAers, Brian Piard at the Philly Half and I Piard at the marathon. Despite or because of the challenging rain, snow, and wind, I didn't even realize it snowed. <laughs> See, I left town later uh, Saturday night. She says, it was definitely my toughest race, but the course was entertaining with lots of love from Philadelphia. And she says, we're so glad to have made the trip. Yeah, we also heard from Beth. She says, uh, thank you to Angie and Trevor for making me believe that even at age 50, with back and hamstring issues, that I could accomplish my lifelong dream and obsession of running a marathon. I ran my first marathon at the Philadelphia Marathon, and even the wind, rain, and hail didn't take the smile off my face during the run. The incredible feeling of pride and elation as I crossed the finish line was nothing short of magical. Yes, running a marathon can change your life. Thank you for believing in all of us and filling us with hope. Awesome. Love it. Congrats on running your first marathon, Beth. And Beck says, marathon number four complete. I finished the Philadelphia Marathon today with a big 13-plus minute PR in three hours, 12 minutes, and nine seconds. It was my first big city race and a really fun experience. I finished just shy of my time goal, but I executed much better than any race to date, and I felt strong and had a good smile on my face until mile 22 or 23 or so. I crashed at the very end, finished stumbling and running in zigzags, and with a wheelchair ride to the med tent after the finish. But that just tells me I did what I could, and I was okay very quickly. Thanks to MTA coach Steven for getting me there. I think the next one will be the BQ. Well, he was pushing hard, so 3.12.09. That's right. And we also heard from an Academy member named Michael who ran his first marathon in Philly. So that was very exciting. So Angie, inspired by the conversation with Gene Dykes, do you have any thoughts about how running keeps you young? Yeah, I think there's just tons of research. Multiple studies have been done um, that find that regular running can help us look and feel younger. And it may be one of the closest things to the fountain of youth that we'll ever find. You know, of course, we're biased as runners. <laughs> we yep. think it's amazing. But I mean, just, just a few things that running does for us. It can decrease the rate of muscle breakdown that occurs with aging. It increases the amount of human growth hormone that the body produces, which can lead to better skin and healthier tissues. It increases bone density compared to non-runners of the same age. Running helps protect your telomeres, that's the DNA coding at the end of the chromosomes, which protects the immune system, keeps your bone marrow healthy, it strengthens the heart and lungs, it improves your mental health, improves brain health, and of course the list could go on and on. And the fact is that it's never too late to start running. I love hearing from people who have started running in their 50s, 60s, 70s. It's just amazing. Research has actually found that starting a regular habit of running can turn back the clock on your heart health, often 20 to 30 years compared to people who are sedentary. So the benefits can apply no matter your age. And I know that I personally feel like a better version of myself when I'm running regularly. Well, one more thing we want to do before we end the episode, we've got a listener named Marty who has been listening since the very beginning. And as you'll hear him talk about, he's retired. So he is an older runner, a very accomplished runner, and another person that just shows you what's possible as you get older. He's an awesome guy, and he was fun to talk to him. Here's that conversation with Marty Damrell. All right, I'm now talking with Marty Damrell from Colorado, fresh back from France from a nice little vacation, which I'm envious of. Marty, how you doing? I'm doing well. 
you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, right? Yeah, your first few podcasts. I, in fact, I sent you a couple emails, I think, right in the beginning too. But uh, yeah, since the beginning. And what do you do for a living? I'm retired now. I spent 30 years uh, as, a, as a math teacher and then became a, a district technology director, school district technology director. Um, and now I'm retired and, and working part-time here at the local hardware store, which is a great fit. Uh, gives me uh, the, the travel money so I can go to France. Uh, I get a walk to work every day and my schedule's pretty flexible. So keeps me busy, keeps my mind working. And how many marathons have you done? 22, I believe. Nice. So not as much, not as many as, as you guys have, but uh, you know a few. Not as many as Angie, but you've you've run more than I have. Oh, okay, all right. I might be catching up on that number, but I think you're faster than me. What what is your PR? My PR um, is uh, 308. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and I ran that when I was a lot younger. I was only like 53, 52 or 53 when I ran that. So that was a few years ago. To run 308 at 53, that's remarkable. So you're definitely a Boston qualifier. I, yes. Yes, I've ran Boston four times, actually. You probably you can probably win age group uh, awards at that speed. I have a few, yes. <laughs> you're a humble guy, Marty. I think you're, I think you're <laughs> badass. Uh, well, thank you for being a longtime listener. And what attracted you to the podcast back in the day? You know, I was fortunate enough to retire from education in 2009. And uh, when I did that, I said, I really want to get actively running marathons again. You know, I don't like listening to music. So uh, at that point, it was just about the time that, you know, the iPhone got GPS capabilities and all that. And I'm looking for things to listen to. And, and I just started searching for podcasts and came across your podcast and have been listening to it ever since. And, you know, and you probably know this, there's been uh, quite a few podcasts that have uh, running podcasts in particular that have come and gone yeah. uh, over your time span. So you guys have done a good job of, of keeping it fresh, so to speak. And speaking of training, are you training for anything now? I'm not right now. I tried to over the summer. One of the things that's, I'm, as you get older, I'm feeling like I'm losing my cadence and ability to run faster. So over the summer, I, I cut back on mileage quite a bit, tried to work more, keeping my tempo up. Mm -hmm. uh, my plan right now is after after you spend a week on a cruise eating buffets, then you got to up your training <laughs> just, to, just to recover. So oh, yeah. um, I'd like to go back to uh, Nashville and run the Nashville Rock and Roll again next April, at least as my current plan. So we'll see. Well, thank you, Marty, for being a long time listener to the podcast. And we appreciate you also being a community member and encouragement to us. And I guess one final question, you've been listening almost 10 years and you've been running longer than that. What keeps you going? What keeps you doing this crazy thing called marathon training? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I don't really have a running background when I was younger. In fact, when I started running, uh, I started running, I've well, been running 35 years. Hmm. Um, when I started running, I, I was like many, it's like um, my goal when I started running was to run a mile without stopping. And it, it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. Uh, and I also remember my first five mile race. Uh, and I, I was almost scared to think that I shouldn't go and race with these people. Hmm. But running community and racing community is, is, a, is a wonderful community. And uh, so I just got hooked on that. And, and over the 35 years, it's, there have been times when I've been training intensely uh, and, and, you know, trying to say, okay, here's, and I could tell you what I'm going to do, you know, 10 days from now in terms of training. And there's other times that I've, I've enjoyed running just to run. Uh, and that's, that's a lot of fun just to be able to do that. So it's, it's gone all over the board, but I, it's still very interesting to me. It's still very fun to me. I still really like to follow it and see what's going on. But, you know, right now it's just like going on this cruise and I'm thinking, I'm not worried about things physically challenging me right now. It's like, oh, you, you know, people say, well, this could be a strenuous hike up the side of this mountain that we're going to go. Uh, that's okay. I can do that. Yeah. Uh, and so at this point in my life, I, I don't feel like I'm being limited because of any physical limitations. So running has provided me that, you know, running provides me uh, the ability to do that. Now, I'll say this. I'm going to keep training for marathons. I like the training cycle. I like 
going through that process. And uh, I don't want to say it keeps me young because you still get old, but it still it still allows you to do things and, and participate in things and be physically active. And I'm certainly hoping I can do that for as long as I can. So, yeah, well said. I mean, I did notice that too after I gotten into marathon shape. I just looked at stairs differently than other people. You know, if you're in a group and you got to climb a flight of stairs, it's like, all right, no big deal. Just climb these stairs. It's not as hard as running a marathon. Exactly. Uh, you know, you've probably been to some of the huge airports. I mean, Charles de Gaulle in Paris is big, and Frankfurt, Germany is a huge airport. And uh, my wife's not a runner, she's a walker, but we'll go and let's take the stairs. You know, I don't like the automated walks. Let's take the stairs and, and yeah, it's not a big deal, you know, and you want to, you want to stay that way. Exactly. You know, you don't want your physical capabilities to limit what you can do. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to let you go. Thanks again, Marty. And uh, keep up the great work. Great visiting with you anytime. All right. Well, big thanks to Marty Damrell for being a longtime listener and Academy member and just an inspiration to us. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks so much for being a listener to the MTA podcast. We are just excited to be on this running journey with you. If we can help you in any way, let us know. Uh, you can send us an email through our contact form on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. If you're looking to really take your running to the next level in 2020 and you need some guidance and accountability and expertise, check out what we have going on inside the Academy and our coaching services. We've got just amazing coaches who both know how to train runners, but they also live it themselves out there kicking butt every day in their own fitness. You heard Gene Dykes talk about how investing in a running coach has really paid off big we have 10 coaches on the team here at MTA, and we can take runners at many different levels and ages and help them get leveled up in their training and achieve their running goals. You can learn about how coaching works on the coaching page of our website. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please uh, head over to wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, wherever, and hit subscribe. That way you'll know when a new episode comes out, and it helps us to see how many folks um, listen to the show. Until next time, keep taking action in your health, and remember you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my way.